Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in Blues and Jazz. I'm Andy Davis, sometimes known as Louis Horn, and I'm sitting in for the amazing Colette Cooper for a couple of shows. It was a pleasure to have been a guest on this great show and was a real honour when Colette asked me to sit in for her while she's rehearsing for her one-woman show about Janis Joplin. As you know, this podcast is all about the incredible contribution women have made to blues and jazz since day one. And today's show is dedicated to the jazz bassist Esperanza Spaulding. Portland, Oregon, October the 18th, 1984. Childhood illness kept her from school when she was very young, but being on her own a lot led to an interest in music. She began playing violin aged five after seeing Yo-Yo Ma on Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood. But when she could play Beethoven by year on her family piano, her family saw she was a prodigy. At 15, she started bass and left school at 16 to play music full time. Her talent helped her go to Berklee College of Music in Boston and was hired as an instructor aged 20 after graduating, the youngest in their history. Around this time, she began gigging, getting noticed by the likes of Pat Metheny, who encouraged her not to give up when she almost quit music, saying she had the X factor. 
she released her debut album, Junjo, in 2006, and her second album, Esperanza, was a critical and commercial success. But it was her third album, Chamber Music Society, that went to number one on Billboard Contemporary Jazz Chart and won her a Grammy for Best New Artist. She collaborated with fellow Berkeley grad Terry Lynn Carrington on her The Mosaic Project and has since worked with Bruno Mars, Janelle Monet, Joe Lovano, Patty Austin and more. In 2016, she released her fifth album, Emily D Plus Evolution, a concept album that fuses prog rock and jazz and was co-produced by longtime Bowie collaborator Tony Visconti. In October 2018, she released 12 songs, one per day, from the album 12 Little Spells, that won her her fourth Grammy for Best Jazz Vocal Album in 2020. And the rest is history. talented jazz bassist Daisy George. Daisy and I chatted not so long ago and I asked her about what her work routine had been like during lockdown. Yeah good really it's been a lot more positive actually for me the last yeah. few months yeah. Um, it's a few had I think having the studios open and having um, live streams still being able to happen has been really great it means I can kind of keep taking stuff over and keep um, making music and writing music which is great. Yeah, have you been doing a lot of composing? Yeah, I've done a bit. I've got a new project um, that we're going into the studio next month to record. But we did a live stream for Brain Feeder Records oh, uh, right. a couple of weeks back. Um, so that's been really cool, kind of getting that all together. That's with Jazz Kaser as well, Tom Ford, um, Jack Stevenson Oliver and Christos Delanis. Oh, nice. What, what's the name of that project? It's just kind of self-titled Daisy George basically nice. oh and that's and that's mainly your original stuff is it yeah yeah it's all new music of mine it's kind of um a lot more groove influenced kind of uh hip-hop influenced stuff oh nice oh great um so uh, how is the practice going have you got a good practice routine going on the bass at the moment i mean really i've kind of trying not to put too much pressure on myself in terms of keeping up uh, any kind of regimented routine I've just been trying to stay kind of positive about music in general so for me that's more like oh, if I feel like doing something creative or I feel like writing or I feel like playing this and whatever it is I just let myself do it to try and keep it kind of flowing in that creative way rather than um, forcing myself to do something that I don't feel like doing yeah so have you learned the tunes that I sent you for our next week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh, so first of all i want to ask you who was the first female artist in jazz and blues you heard perform either instrumentalist or singer um and what song were they performing wow i mean for me it's that's like so such a specific question in terms of 
I mean, I've been listening to jazz really since before I can remember. Mm. My mum was a super avid. Actually, you know my mum, Andy. Yeah, and I, <laughs> um, I've actually been out drinking with your mum. It's not even a joke. <laughs> um, my mum's a massive jazz fan, and she did. She did used to do singing herself, actually. So yeah. I was kind of brought up singing like all the old Ella records and um, Sarah Vaughan records in the car with her, and yeah, that was kind of what I remember as my first um, kind of introduction to jazz but I mean I think you're talking like maybe I was seven or eight you know I can I can't I can barely remember that now yeah um, but I don't remember you know exactly which record it was in particular um, I mean and honestly I don't remember there being I, I don't remember there being any instrumental or female instrumentalists really um, uh, you know my mum was kind of a jazz fan especially a vocalist yeah did you learn the like Ella, Ella Fitzgerald's did you actually learn the solos and stuff the well yeah solos? I mean I used to yeah we used to sing in the car and my mum was learning them so I kind of just learned as she was learning I, yeah. you know, I, I have weird memories of some lyrics from songs that I never you know I never sat down to learn but I know them because I, they're kind of around me so much yeah um do you still use Ella because personally I, I use Ella as a um when I want to learn a new jazz standard, I usually check out Ella's, Ella's version of it first. I mean, yeah, that's the thing for me is I've definitely, I'm more drawn to kind of talking about like standards jazz and old or kind of older jazz. I'm more drawn to the vocal music. I think just from yeah. that's how I was introduced to it. And I definitely, I love a lot of those albums. And if I, I think I'm more drawn to listening to versions of tunes that have vocals on it than necessarily instrumentalists. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Which female jazz and blues artist influenced you to perform the genre today, would you say? Um, I mean, kind of, you know, again, for me, it wasn't, I feel like growing up, there weren't so many female role models that were, you know, at least they weren't, um, they weren't really valued, they weren't presented enough yeah. for them to reach me, you know, just a, another random kid. Why do, you, why do you think that was? I mean, I think... It's difficult to say, you know, to decide how far to go on this, but there's obviously a huge underlying sexism in society. Yeah. And I think that obviously definitely falls over into jazz and the jazz worlds and has done. And, you know, it was apparent in the 40s and 50s. And so, you know, it goes, it's, it's come, it goes back a long, long way. Yeah. And I think obviously that's, it's just, if, if that's how it is, it takes a long time to move away from that. And it's only kind of in, the last five years, I would say, that we're really making a stand and pushing forward to hold up female musicians for being the great musicians that they are. And I think obviously if you're not valued within your community and within your um, work, then you're not gonna get put out to other people as the male artists were. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously these, there, there are these incredible female instru instrumentalists from, back in the day but they just weren't kind of held to higher claim as the male artists were mm. um you know unless you delve really far deep into it you're not going to find them as easily as you can go and pick up a i don't know cannibal adderley record off the that's going to be there in every shop that has a jazz section yeah it's not going to be this the case with you know all, all the female artists mm. maybe daisy in, in years to come people will look up for daisy george records yeah well yeah that's exactly the point i hope they do yeah. And I hope I can be that role model that was missing for me for the next generation and the younger generations. Yeah. My mum, you know, obviously she's an incredible female role model to me. 
Mm. And she introduced me to jazz. So in that way, yes, it was my mum, but she wasn't a professional musician in that sense. Um, I just kind of found bass through playing in metal music and that was a totally different thing. And I just brought two and two together and decided I want to play double bass and I want to play jazz and I'm going to do that. It wasn't particularly kind of trying to follow the footsteps of any particular female role model in that sense. Yeah. Was it, was it um, initially heavy metal that started you on the bass then? Yeah, so well, I mean, I grew up playing classical violin mm. um, and then kind of as I went to senior school, I started playing um, bass guitar in like a metal covers band. We used to play like Rage Against the Machine and, and that kind of thing. Um, have, you got, have you got any footage of that? I'd love to see I, that. I have and it's really locked away deep, <laughs> deep in the treasure trove. I'll, I'll find it, don't worry. No one's finding that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my introduction to bass yeah um and then after that I would go to gigs with my mom and it was kind of like I really want to play this music but I don't really want to play it on violin and I played a bit of piano at the time but again it wasn't massively like drawn to piano as a performance thing it was just I love to compose on it yeah so that was kind of like well what's the next thing and my mom was like you're not playing drums that's not going to happen in my house yeah so then I basically said well okay if I've already played a string instrument I'm going to save up all my money and buy a double bass and I'm just going to have to do it. And that'll be, that's the investment. And I kind of just went for it. I think when I was 15, went for it kind of head first and put all my time and effort into trying to learn jazz and learn double bass and get it all together in time and, you know, go yeah. to music college. Yeah. I always think it's quite brave to start playing the double bass. Cause like when you start thinking about playing a bass, doesn't it cross your mind? Like, how am I going to get this around? <laughs> Yeah, it didn't really cross my mind, actually. <laughs> I think I was too far into it by the time I realised, oh, wow, this is going to be a right pain. Yeah, yeah. Right, which, which female jazz and blues artists do you feel on the scene today are shining through other than yourself? Uh, like, you know, I, I think particularly in the UK and in America, like, I, I was wondering. Um, I mean, I kind of, for me, it's obvious, like, Nabaya Garcia is... Is yeah. just you know she is doing incredibly she's well. It. She's absolutely yeah. There's yeah. There's no words to describe how how hard she's worked and how much of a path she's mm. treading for other female musicians. And I do you know her? I mean, I met Nabaya like on occasion over the last few years, but um, I never worked with her. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's definitely paving a pathway that it brings me a lot. Of you know a lot of positivity and I'm definitely look up to her and what she's achieving what she you know what she has achieved and she's yeah. you know, she's young as well she's, she's only a couple of years killing old, it really. in the states as well isn't she oh yeah exactly and it's so great to have recognition of the UK jazz scene in the states I think you know yeah. sometimes there's a bit of um can come a, you know, a bit competitive there and I think it's I think I don't see why we shouldn't all be able to make music and appreciate each other's music for what it yeah. is yeah um but yeah, that kind of whole scene, there's some great musicians and obviously jazz cases doing been doing incredibly well. Um, the last like, couple of years, people are really starting to appreciate her and her music, which yeah. is so nice. And, you know, because I have a great working relationship with her and we, you know, I really enjoy making music with her. So it's really great to kind of have another comrade doing well. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, I, I, I first met um, jazz when I came down um, I was out on a um, on a drinking spree in Deptford High Street, and I was I, w I was walking past um, uh, with my sister-in-law, and we just heard this burning jazz going on in this uh, in the bar. What's the bar called? That one? 
Oh, I know which one you mean, but I, I really can't remember what it's called. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, we just walked out, walking outside, you had this burning bebop going on, and then came inside and you were playing, and then it was, that was the first time I saw jazz play as well. Oh yeah, I remember that night. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot happening down Deptford Way now, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. I, think, I mean, that whole, the southeast kind of London, that whole community, like jazz community, is really, I think, probably at the forefront of this you know the the movement that's being really like pushed across the world now and recognized for the really the greatness of the music across the world i think that southeast community london community is is really at the forefront of that well there's, and also what i like about it is there's loads of different styles of jazz going on in the in the southeast london scene like yeah you've got, exactly you got the what's the wednesday night one uh the um steam down sessions and then you've also got this like like the gig i saw you with the bebop the, the bebop ones down all the little bars in Deptford high street it's pretty cool yeah i think i think for me it's that seems i feel that everyone's really valued for what who they are and what they bring and there's you know there's no judgment it's no everyone respects everyone for who they are and what they're trying to say and the message they're bringing to the music and i think that's really important i think through music colleges and kind of old traditions sometimes that can be really lost and people yeah. start making coming really judgmental and expecting people to do stuff that isn't true to them and i think that's that's sad because you know that's the that's the point of music you know i want to be me and i want to present myself through the music and i want to say what i have to say through my music yeah. and i want all other musicians i work with to feel that way too yeah you, know, you don't want to put these limitations and judgments on people and i think you know for me at least that scene is definitely very welcoming and just very accepting of you for who you are. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, isn't it? It's quite a good vibe. I, I, I forgot to, to ask you, so are you still boxing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been doing a bit of boxing here and there, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you just started that doing the COVID thing, didn't you? I did, yeah. I think I've kind of... Um, it, was a, it was a good focus for me to have something other than music that was exercising you know get me up and doing stuff in the last year um i think it's it's, it's interesting it's very active but it's also really meditative yeah you have well, to... when, when this lockdown ends we'll have to have a fight <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah because there's a couple of good gyms down depth away but um anyway back to the jazz uh, <laughs> do, you, do you feel it's still hard for uh female artists to shine through today and do you, do you feel it's still a male-dominated scene? Or do you feel male artists are getting more supportive? Do you, like, is it improving, do you think? Uh, I mean, there's definitely a huge kind of underrepresentation of, of female musicians. Mm. Um, but, you know, as I touched on before, I think it's, it's, it goes across all of society. So it's, you know, it's a very, it is a male-dominated um, profession. And I think it's hard for it not to be sexist and not to be, you know, very toxic masculine. If there's, there is a definite much higher proportion of male, yeah, men, <laughs> male. Um, but I mean, I can't remember the name of it now. But there's some someone recently did a study, basically, to wrote down all the numbers of how how much of a disproportion there is between how many female musicians there are and male musicians within the scene. Yeah, um, and it really is it is a bit staggering, really. Um, yeah. I think it was something like two percent of female producers, you know, and that's that's, that's ridiculous, really. Wow. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's hard because you don't you know I don't, you don't want to focus on 
on the kind of negatives of it and you have to keep pushing through and I think supporting other female musicians and having uh, male musicians support female musicians and try to build each other up and keep pushing the representation and there's um, people like women in jazz are doing really great work to support female musicians um, and yeah like Jazz Refreshed and Kaza Smitty's always make sure that they are putting on female musicians and representing film musicians on a regular basis yeah Kansas um, is great isn't it yeah yeah it's so great um but yeah obviously it's still a fight you know we're not at the end we're still fighting and ultimately for me the goal is to keep achieving and to keep pushing through despite the struggles so that I can be that role model for the younger generations for the next generations to come so they you know so then there's more and more female musicians and it's not such a male-dominated environment yeah um i I think it's the the musician the female musicians who are doing well now it's almost more because they are really strong and they're lucky that they've managed to kind of push through despite the odds having a totally male dominated profession is it is hard it does there are lots of scenarios that it's not comfortable to be in and it it can be quite challenging like emotionally and mentally and I think it takes a certain kind of person to push through that yeah um and I think that you know being I remember being maybe 15 and going to a jazz camp and you're one of like three girls I'm I'm sure there's a lot of women girls who then would go okay I don't want to do this anymore yeah I mean I you know I wasn't but I think I'm more one of the odd ones out yeah I think that's why it's important that there are you know, like me and jazz and all the other young female musicians who are managing to push through and create really great music and keep performing, that we keep going and it keeps building up more and more. So, you know, hopefully in I don't know, 25 years, the youth jazz course is, you know, 50% male, 50% female, and people yeah. can feel comfortable being there and not, you know, the odd one out. Yeah, yeah. In the last few years, we've seen jazz come back in quite a big way with uh, younger audiences. Uh, what do you think sparked this new jazz wave? And when did you first notice it? And which 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 artists, in your opinion, were at the forefront of making it more popular again, particularly with the younger generation? Well, I mean, I think you have to be honest, really. I mean, jazz isn't necessarily or hasn't been a particularly accessible genre for a lot of reasons. I mean, jazz has ended up kind of often becoming quite intellectualized and it's yeah. in a setting that's, you know, and it's incredibly expensive to get into. It's it's very upper market. Uh, you sit down and have fine wine and, you know, and it became this thing that's, it's not accessible to a really huge proportion of people. Um, and the music that was being played was the super intellectualized music that unless you're really into music or you even maybe you even have to per- perhaps know something about music to, to like it and to understand it. Yeah. Like music and for music for musicians. Musician, yeah. I think it's, it's difficult because it's become that. And I'm not, I mean, perhaps it just, it naturally went that way or perhaps it was the influence of kind of a lot more people coming through music colleges. I'm not sure, you know, why it ended up in that, that sense. But I think the thing is the reason that, jazz is becoming now a bit more popular with younger audiences is because I think they're bringing in influences from other genres 
and making it fun again, you know. Um, again, the, you know, the South East London kind of community, um, I think it was really, I think, I mean, like, it's maybe, I remember maybe five or six years ago, kind of noticing the movement happening. And I think mainly led by kind of Shabaka Hutchkins, him doing his thing and bringing in the Afrobeat influence and really having like a meaning behind the music and pushing their voice and making it fun and, and playing it at venues where it's accessible, where people can get up and dance and they're not judged for it. You don't have to pay for expensive food and expensive wine. And it's all about everyone's there to have fun and to feel the meaning of the music and be part of this community. Yeah. And that in all of those things, right, you know, and obviously they're incredible musicians who play like beautiful music incredibly well you know it's not yeah. it's not just the fact that it's fun but all those things together have me- meant it's again it's become now it's become re-accessible to people that yeah. i think had been isolated away from the music you know i, I think it's, it's brilliant that people are like in like the steam dance sessions for example everyone's up dancing aren't they well, yeah exactly and that's the thing why shouldn't it be fun you know jazz was originally you know it was celebratory music it was played in parades it was played in dance halls it came from that. And I think obviously for whatever reasons, it moved quite far away from that in a lot yeah. of um, scenarios. Whereas now they really brought that back and they brought in a lot of influence from Afrobeat. And I think that really, you know, it brings back the whole sense of dance music. People are there to enjoy it and to have fun and feel, feel the music together. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether you know anything about music or you had listened to any jazz before. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I, I really think even if we're, even if one isn't playing the music or similar music to what Shabaka is playing, or um, I think we have that whole movement to thank because I, I feel, I really feel that people are finding kind of standard jazz and um, swing jazz through that movement. People who yeah. had never perhaps considered listening to jazz before, mm. you know, so I think actually they're benefiting everyone in a positive way. Yeah. No, that's good. Hey, out of interest, who's your favorite bass player? <laughs> uh, I don't think I have a favorite one. <laughs> What's your top three? Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's contextual for me. Like, um, if I think of swing music and and that kind of thing, obviously, I go I go to Ray Brown and Christian Christian McBride, and that's kind of a that's where I was pulled towards swing music with with those guys. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I had Jasper Hoyby as a teacher at college and he was a really great teacher and really great mentor to me. And, I, you know, I really got into his kind of music and a lot of and Avishai Cohen. And you know, he's a big inspiration on Jasper and that kind of kind of passed that down onto me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I had kind of then there's some great bass guitar players, kind of Tim Lefebvre and Carvey Rastegal and Sam Wilkes. They, you know, I. There's so many different influences. I can't kind of pick one. Mm. It's just all these different people doing kind of, you know, in little bits and in little situations where I go, wow, that's, that's like an amazing, amazing bass player, amazing musician. Yeah. And take inspiration from little bits of each of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, out of interest, who's your favorite um, trumpet player? <laughs> oh, there's this guy called Andy Dave. <laughs> oh God, you're embarrassing me now. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm embarrassed now, I am. <laughs> do you have any funny gig or live radio stories to share with us um i mean i 
can't, I mean, actual gigs with audiences just feel like right now, I feel like another lifetime away. Um, yeah. It feels a bit, you know, I feel quite disconnected from that. So I'm not, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't really remember anything, any story in particular. Yeah. Um, We've had some quite funny ones doing the upstairs jazz jam, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Maybe like not drunk, the ones... drunk people falling into yeah. the drums. That's and, true. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say they're more embarrassing than funny. <laughs> um, Destroying your career. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's quite a funny video of me and Jazz, actually, when we were younger on a yeah. course. That, that's, that's a funny, and like a gig on a course where we were just How kind of dancing. when you met her? Um, uh, 17, possibly. Right. A while ago now. So you probably came old. up through the ranks together. Yeah, well, we we played together at first, kind of doing a bit of youth stuff together, and then she went off to Berkeley, and I went to academy, and it was kind of you know, saw each other every now and again when she was back in the UK. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, really reconnected when we came back, and it was kind of like, oh wow, it's like still really great, and it's really nice. You know, we're both kind of still going strong and pushing forward and reconnecting with that. And since then, we've just kind of played in so many different scenarios together that. It, yeah how, how many bands do you do, like you do my band with her how many other bands do you do because you like you, you play together a lot don't you yeah i mean we've done lots of like one-off projects together but we do um some hidden jazz club stuff together we do her project we do my project um we do some stuff at kansas smitty's together we do we're both now doing poppy judah's new band um which is really cool completely different context from what we've been playing before so yeah i mean it's just nice it's really nice actually oh yeah, great um have you got any stuff you want to promote at the moment uh well there's nothing out right now but the new ep that we're recording next month um that's going to be coming out in october i think with some singles in september and august uh just kind of self-titled daisy george um yeah I mean, all the kind of updates on that I'll post on my Instagram, which is again, Daisy George. <laughs> yeah. You're um, going to be dropping some teasers over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We have, um, at the moment, we've got one of the tracks, a live version of one of the tracks from the Brain Feeder live stream is up on YouTube. So if anyone wants to check that out and kind of get an idea of the, the vibe of the music, um, you can find that on my YouTube, which again, I think is Daisy George. <laughs> Before you go, I, I do want to, uh, go through your diary for a few dates, uh, and the, like some gig dates coming up in June, July. Uh, or if you want, I can I can call you back later for that. Yeah, um, that's probably it's probably best if we do okay. that later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the amazing Daisy George, and that's the show for this week. Sisters in the Shadows was presented by me, Andy Davis, and is a Pod People production. Thanks to Jake Trappett and Mike Hansen for the production support. And thanks to Colette for asking me to do this. All the music featured today will be added to the Sisters in the Shadows guests and influencer playlist on Spotify. This podcast is in support of the Nordoff Robbins charity, which Colette is an ambassador for. So please help support them any way you can. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.